George, I'm not even going to give the classic intro we do. I'm not even going to say welcome into the pod because this is not a happy pod. This is another truly, honestly, frustrating late night podcast emergency pod we are recording. George, I know you were sick this morning. You joked about being on Pup. Uh, you've you've cleared it or, or at least fighting through and he's playing a hurt today. So that's how you know this is a big time story when George is pushing through. So, George, we're glad you're feeling better. Um I guess Jim Irsay and the Colts must have known you felt better too. He said, all right, let's put him right to work and let's let this be known. We are going to allow Jonathan Taylor to seek a trade in case you live under rock and missed it. That is the big news in Colts land on Tuesday night as we record this. A month after he requested a trade, basically the Colts are now allowing Jonathan Taylor to seek a trade and have his agent now talk to prospective teams to try to work out a deal. we got a lot to break down here, George, a lot to get into. Um, let me start you with this. So Jim Mersey, after the now infamous RV meeting with Jonathan Taylor, uh, that night publicly said, we're not trading Jonathan Taylor. No chance. What was it? We're not trading him now. We're not trading him in October. He told any reporter that would listen nationally and locally, we aren't trading him. Fast forward three weeks, George, and here we are, August 21st. He has now set the culture reverse course, and they're open reportedly to trading him. What changed in your mind between now or then and now to where they have done a 180 on the trade front? Well, first of all, I don't know if the private stance was ever as strong as that public stance. I, I had heard all along that if the right offer came along, he was available uh, before the trade request was made public even. So huh. um, I'm not even sure that that there is that big of a, a 180 behind the scenes. I think it was always a possibility. Um, sort of like the fact that, you know, the actual trade request came out four days after it was made. Um, I think it's just one of those things that... Like, do you think in the spring, like they were not shopping about no, this No, not in the spring, but since training camp came in, um, that it, it's always been sort of understood that if somebody blew them away, they, they would make the deal. Um, but I think, you know, to the extent that, that the posture has changed, it's hard to tell because this whole situation is, you know, fairly chaotic anyway on, on a daily basis. But my, my first reading, sort of the, the Occam's razor explanation is that they don't think that the relationship is fixable anymore. Because as, as recently as Saturday, uh, during the local broadcast of the game, Jim Irsay was on the air saying, you know, welcome him back. We're going to embrace him. We're going to do whatever we can, uh, you know, to help him out and hope that he's able to come out here and have a great year. And Chris Ballard's going to get to work in, in calming the waters. And then two days later, you know, they're, they're talking about uh, granting a trade request. So I think for me, the Occam's razor there is that that, mentality that that olive branch that that feeling of you know let's find some common ground was not shared by taylor um which really isn't a surprise because throughout this entire process we've heard that at no point has there been a a thawing of the ice there there's never been a report that i've seen from july 25th on that taylor was feeling better about playing for this team so you know i thought well the clock's ticking you know eventually like i talked about the last pod that we did, you know, that they would get to a point where mutual interests kind of converge and, and he goes out and plays and then we'll see what happens from there. But the the news today from the team side, all that tells me is they don't feel like that is possible. I'm pissed, George. I'll be honest with you. I'm totally pissed. I'm tired. You're sick. And look, even if that's the case where the Colts have tried and tried and tried. And like you said, two nights ago, basically, he's, Jim, I honestly took away from that. Oh, Jim Mercer thinks he got me back. And the only thing I took away from him is maybe he won't be back week one. Maybe he's not truly healthy enough to be back in the season because Jim Mercer said, hey, it's August. We got a long way to go. And Chris Ballard's going to calm the waters. AK meaning maybe get back to the negotiating table, talk to what we talked about, maybe give him a little bit, you know, bump and pay this year and then kind of kick the can down the road for 2024 and, and revisit those conversations after the season. And now here we are two days later and they're, allegedly open to listening to trade requests or trade offers. We'll see how many actually come in. We'll get to that here in a little bit. But why I'm pissed, George, is, is this reason. Even if the Colts have tried in recent days and weeks to thaw the ice, to extend olive branches, to make peace with their running back, the reality is 
the Colts put Jonathan Taylor in the situation in the first place where he felt like he had no option but to fight and fight with vengeance and basically not turn back. He decided in his mind, I don't know what the date was. I don't know what the comment was. I don't know what exactly set him off to where he said, basically burn the boats. I'm never playing for this team again. But the Colts and Jim Mercer pushed him in that direction to the point where they made him break. And now again, even though you could say, hey, Jonathan Taylor maybe is not playing ball or the Colts are trying to play ball and he's not listening or reciprocating, I don't blame Jonathan Taylor. I really don't. Because I think the Colts gave him no choice in a way but to push him there with not only, forget about the, like, it's not even not giving him the contract, George. Because again, that's not a Colts thing. That's an NFL thing, right? Where running backs just in general are not getting paid. Look at all the big, look at Austin Eckler, who had the same exact situation in LA. They dared him to look for a trade uh, partner. Couldn't find one. Josh Jacobs in Las Vegas. Maybe not the same thing where they let him to seek, uh, seek a trade, but he won a big-time deal, didn't get one. Jacob Barker won a big-time deal, didn't get one. It's not just a Jonathan Taylor or really, I should say, a Colts issue when it comes to paying running backs. It's league-wide. But what the Colts did, unlike the Giants, unlike the Raiders, unlike the Chargers, they provoked. They pushed, and they publicly infuriated their young running back instead of being the adult in the room. That's where my true frustration comes from, George. It's not the trader crest. It's not the fact they're not paying Jonathan Taylor. It's the fact of how they treated their young star best offensive player and almost basically forced his hand and said, we dare you, you know, to actually stand your ground and do something about it. And now he is. And now there's a chance. Again, we'll get into our predictions if he's going to be on the team and what the trade could look like in a, in a second here. But whether he's traded or not, George, and I don't think he's going to get traded, whether he's traded or not, still at the end of the day, it's the Colts embarrassing themselves unnecessarily again there's a way to handle it if you want to trade him. There's a way to handle it if you want him to be on the team. And the Colts have handled this so far from a PR perspective as bad as you could have had it. And that's truly where my fire is burning. When I saw that notification from Adam Schefter about the trade request has now been granted in the sense that he can actually start searching and start talking to teams, it wasn't the fact that, oh, they're going to lose Jonathan Taylor. It was yet again, here we go. They gave themselves no choice but to allow this to happen because of how they treated Taylor. And that to me, George, I don't know about you, but that's where my biggest frustration and true disgust is coming from, from just their treatment of him to almost basically push him in a corner and dare him to, you know, hold his ground or try to force his way out. It's absurd. I've never, I've never understood their stance from the get go. I mean, I feel like they were holding all the cards at the beginning of this because the running back market was terrible. And because you were going to Taylor's only route really was this route. So you had all cards at the beginning. If, if you just treat it, <clears throat> as you said, be the adult in the room, make an offer, even if it's a bad offer, negotiate in good faith, get back and forth, try to find a number uh, that, that you can find. That, that's all you had to do here. And I feel like instead of playing their cards, uh, Jim Mercy just lit them all on fire. And, you know, threw them into the air and danced in the ashes. And and that's where you led to, you know, where we are today. I think it's probably why I'm a little bit more sanguine about it now. I it's sort of been going this way for a while. Like, I I told you before we started, I don't know what changed today other than, you know, they're, they're giving them the right to seek a trade. But if there was a great market out there, that deal would have already been done. You know, I I just don't think there is – much um, of a market. We'll see if somebody wants to, to pony up uh, what the Colts want, which Stephen Holder's reporting is a first round pick or equivalent of that. Uh, and then also pay Jonathan Taylor market setting contract, then kudos to that team. And, and I think it's probably the best thing for the Colts and Jonathan Taylor, if that's the way it turns out. I still don't think that's a likely outcome. We'll see. Um, I don't think either side handled this well. I think, more is on the Colts because again, they have to be the adult in the room. Their, their whole goal in this entire thing to, to play it right was to shut up. That's it. That's all they had to do. Don't say anything, you know, just play the cards that, that you're dealt negotiate with your best offensive player in good faith and don't publicly start a fight with them. That's a pretty low bar uh, that they were unable to clear. I also think that Taylor has overreacted to something that is, a league-wide issue that's not a Colts issue. And I think he's played his cards poorly too. And I think that's why everybody comes out of this not looking great right now uh, because it is a terribly ugly situation. And I think it's one of those things where 
you know, when you're a kid and, and your parents are fighting too much, sometimes a divorce is the very best thing that can happen. And I think that's where the Colts and Jonathan Taylor are. Look, you, you could be right in that Jonathan Taylor's overreacting. We, we know we, and we've seen publicly now his agents not exactly, I think, handling this correctly in terms of challenging Jim Irsay on Twitter and saying a lot of other things as well. But again, like the Colts bare minimum, like if this is a, a child versus adult situation, if you want to kind of use those terms, the team is the adult. You have to be, like you said, the more mature person in this situation. And even if you are in the right, sh- like you said, shutting up is the best thing to do here, George. And it's you. this is why it's also frustrating. Because the Colts are not alone in having running back sh- struggles this offseason. Raiders in the same boat. Giants in the same boat. And to a lesser extent, the Chargers also in the same boat as well. Where their running backs are speaking up publicly, are voicing their frustration, you had Saquon Barkley go on a podcast and basically say, I might sit out the year. I don't know if I'm going to do it, but I might sit out the year. And you know what the Giants did? Zip their lip, gave him this BS extension contract full of incentives that he's not going to reach, um, but made him happy for a year and just said, you know what, we'll revisit it in 2024 and we'll see what happens then. But at least for 2023, we know, especially since we paid our quarterback in Daniel Jones, we are a better team with you on it. We can't afford to have you go. And we're going to take 2023 and have you be on the team. The Raiders, look, Josh Jacobs is coming back to the team at some point before week number one. They have said nothing as he sits out all of training camp. The Colts, like, the Colts have had plenty of examples around the league to learn from and say, oh, the Giants are handling this one way. Okay, the, the Raiders kind of similar. Okay, well, their running backs, maybe not happy, but they're going to be there. And they're not at least making a public spectacle of it. And here we are. What could we do? We could shut up and do what they're doing and, and probably have a better outcome. And probably, I'll say bare minimum, have Jonathan Taylor back on the field week number one. Or we can tweet about the CBA and how running backs are unfairly or, you know, crying about a contract that they signed and and that's on them. And then we can roll up to an RV to one of the most packed and crowded practices the Colts have had at Grand Park. Bring the running back. Ooh, this could have been done behind closed doors. Three hours for practice, George. And said, nope, let's roll up the RV. To practice. Oh, practice is starting. Okay, now let's bring JT over. Now let's go have a press conference right after that. Let's let everybody know we haven't given my contract offer whatsoever. And let's also let him know we're not trading him once he wants a trade request. Every single thing they've done, George, has been the worst thing you could have done. And that's yep. where it's frustrating, where you could be right, where like both sides have been at fault here at different times, right? But at the end of the day, the Colts are the team that should have known better. And that's where more of the responsibility falls. That's where a lot of frustration is. They did this again. We're talking about this again, George. They did it to themselves. They absolutely did it to themselves. It should have been avoided. You could have handled this quietly. Even if you want to trade them, even if you don't want, at the end of the day, they realize this is not, this is broken beyond repair. And you're right. And you said, you know what? It's better off if a divorce happens. Look, different situation a little bit, but look at AJ Brown and the Titans. AJ Brown won a new deal with the Titans last year. Titans are not going to give it to him. So what do they do? Covertly. Kept it under wraps, trade him to the Eagles uh, on draft night, and then all of a sudden, wow, blockbuster, but no one saw it coming. They kept it quiet, and all of a sudden, boom, trade's done, and A.J. Brown's happy, and the, I mean, the Titans can't be happy, but anyway, you know, I mean, losing great receiver, but the point is, they didn't make, they didn't embarrass themselves along with losing a great player. The Colts are embarrassing themselves and potentially could lose a great player. 0 for 2. No, there's no doubt. They, like I said, they, they took all their cards and they burned them. They didn't play them. Uh, and and they did it publicly and in ridiculous fashion. But uh, this is a team that hired Jeff Saturday just a few months ago to, to be the head coach. So it's hard for me to get a whole lot of like anger or frustration because, like I said earlier, the circus never left town. So I, I don't know. I would be upset maybe if I saw the Giants do this, where there's a history of, you know, really doing things right by their players and, and solving things like they did with Saquon Barkley. Right now, this is who the Colts are. I mean, you don't – the snake bites you. It's not the snake's fault, right? It's your fault for getting around the snake and, and letting it bite you. If the Colts do something like this, at this point, they're showing you who they are. And if you're Anthony Richardson, again, because that's another part that's frustrating. That, that he, he should be the focus, George. He should be the focus. And then yet again, with joint practices on Tuesday or – Tuesday. I think I also, I think I said Tuesday morning, by the way, on the podcast or Tuesday. It's Monday, folks. I'm sorry. I, I It's late. 
I think I got my days all confused. I'm seeing red right now with how pissed I am. But Tuesday for joint practice, guess what, George? The main story is going to be Jonathan Taylor in his future. Thursday's preseason game, Jonathan Taylor in his future. Probably every day until he's traded or the season starts, it's going to be Jonathan Taylor in his future. And like you said, if he's not traded by week one, every game until the trade deadline is, is Jonathan Taylor going to be traded? What does it mean for his value? Does he like the team? Does he not like the team? Again, it's another situation where all the attention is taken away from where it should be, all the energy is taken away from where it should be with the quarterback and put on a player and a position, especially a position that's, again, not as valuable, but a player in Jonathan Taylor who, again, is a great player, but not going to be the future of this team in the sense that, that when the Colts are Super Bowl contenders, hopefully, sooner rather than later, Jonathan Taylor is not going to be the number one reason for it. It's going to be the quarterback, and here they are again, taking away and hurting Anthony Richardson's potential development by not only removing the best offensive weapon he has, the most proven offensive weapon he has, but also making a spectacle as well. And again, if you're AR, I know you've been around the team for a few months. you got to look around and see how they're handling this, George, and look and say, I don't know if this is the right future or right organization that's going to get the best out of me. Like, if you talk about potential, putting positions to succeed, what you're seeing so far, you can't be thrilled. I think the bottom line is, you know, that's the most important thing is developing him. We've talked about that from day one. No matter what else happens this year, whether Jonathan Taylor was on the team or off the team, the record didn't matter. You know, getting the playoffs, none of that it was in the picture. It, developing number five. That's what it's always been about. It's what it's still about. And nothing about this situation helps that in any way. Nothing that they've done from day one with, with Jonathan Taylor since camp started helps the development of Anthony Richardson. Now, I don't know how far I'm going to go down with him and, you know, his thoughts on the franchise. He's a rookie right now. He's got so many other things on his plate. I, I'm sure he's not happy about it. I can't imagine he's sitting in his in his hotel room in Philadelphia right now celebrating. Like, hey, can't wait to get JT out of here. Uh, but at the same time, he's probably way more focused on other stuff. I, I think the reason that's not as high on my mind is that the, the one guy who absolutely should be uh, most affected by this and, and who should be showing the most weariness about this franchise is Michael Pittman because he's same draft class, same situation, uh, and Pittman doesn't seem to be overly bothered about it. You know, part of that's because his situation is a lot different. He knows he's going to get paid by somebody, but it doesn't seem like he's trying to force his way out the door either. Uh, and I would think he would be the first one to to do that. So it's just, to me, it's another unnecessary, even if it doesn't, if it does end up costing them Anthony Richardson in four years, then it's even a more colossal mistake than we already think it is. But even if it doesn't, it's just another situation where this team just keeps making things harder on itself than they need to be from little things to big things. Shaq Leonard's not out of practice Thursday, put out a memo, put out a statement. He's in the concussion protocol. It ends and said, there's two days of wild speculation about what might be going on. Oh, he's in the concussion protocol. I don't know if that's makes you feel any better. That's a very scary thing. And especially with a guy who's been through it as much, but he seems like he's doing well for the, that's the good news. Um, you know, as I mentioned, he was out there and in good spirits on that Thursday. So, you know, just put that out there publicly, but a little thing like that all the way now to the situation with Jonathan Taylor, where bare minimum, you're making your offense one dimensional, which is not going to help your rookie quarterback. If defenses will know coming in is either Anthony Richardson running or the passing game, they're not going to worry too much about the running game right now. And I don't know how that helps your quarterback develop. I don't know how that's something that is good for his long-term future, whether or not it gets fixed. You know, they could draft a running back next year who could come in and, and set records and, and be the perfect fit in Shane Sykin's offense. And it still wouldn't change the fact that they hampered the, the first year of, of development for Anthony Richardson. Like that's where I'm like, I, when I mentioned like AR and again, his, like his right now question, the the organization, like think about it from his perspective, right? You come into a new team, you are saddled with being the, hopefully the next franchise guy for a team that struggled last five years to, to find a quarterback. And you go in and we've seen so far in training camp without their best offensive player on the field, how this Colts offense has looked. We saw it in Buffalo, three drives, zero points. We saw it in the joint practices against the Bears, George. Look, we saw a lot underneath stuff. Not a lot of points, and especially when they came to the got into the red zone, that has been an area where Anthony Richards, Richardson has struggled. And on the odd times when they have scored touchdowns um, in practice, guess what? That what happened? Call back for penalties, and they're unable to over overcome them. 
So this is an offense where the margin of error is, is razor thin in large part because there's not a lot of proven talent that can explode and, and be a true reliable player on the offensive line in the running game or at, at the skill positions outside catching the passes. And so if you're Richardson, you see, okay, this offense is right now in training camp at preseason, not looking very good. We have this Mercedes. We got the, this this Ferrari right there in the garage, ready to go down year last year, but it's all fixed up, allegedly. It should be ready to rev. And also, by the way, you look around the team and you look at, okay, the most expensive positions on offense and, and really on the team, Georgia were. Quarterback, right, obviously. Now receiver is shooting up. Left tackle is a now a premium position and getting after the passer, right? Pass rusher, edge rusher. Those are the four highest paid positions, the four premium positions, if you will, when it comes to getting the most bucks. And you can understand, okay, if the Colts are against the cap, they have $2 million in space. They got a lot of guys they are, are paying or about to pay. Okay, fine. Sometimes not everyone can't get paid. That's part of the reason why the NFL is so much parity to the salary cap. Fine, you got to lose a guy like Jonathan Taylor. Great player, but at a position that's less premium, uh, that's less, you know, prioritized. You're Anthony Richardson. You're on the first year of your rookie deal. Michael Pittman Jr. is on the last year of his rookie deal. Bernard Wyman's on year two of, what was it, a third round pick, right? So not even, you know, a lesser contract. Quiddy Pay, Dio Adangbo, like Samson Ebukam is what, a three-year, $27 million deal, so $9 million a year. The four most important positions on the team in terms of, or the four highest paid positions on a team, George, are making rookie salary or, or average money, if you will, for that position. No one's getting paid. They have $20 million basically in cap space. They have the money. So again, forget about for a second, you know, about the running back position and the value of it. This team does not have the excuse of we have money tied up elsewhere where they can afford to possibly trade their best offensive player and then replace them, place them, place them, place them, place them. That's the thing. You can't replace them with anybody. You're replacing them with a bunch of scrubs, bunch of backups and making Anthony Richards' life that much harder when you take away the only threat right now they have an offense. Like you said, John Taylor's not there. You're one-dimensional. And then guess what? That does nothing for to help and ease the development of Richardson. So that's another area that – another layer that just makes this, you know, entire situation maddening, George. They don't – it's not like they're tied up financially where they can't afford him. They have plenty of money to spend. Plenty of money in the next few years to keep, again, a proven offensive weapon for your young rookie quarterback and help him develop. If he's not there in four years when they're actually contenders, fine. But if he helps get Richardson that much closer to where, kind of, if you will, Jonathan Taylor serves as training wheels, you know, to use this pun for two years, and then also, okay, time to take the training wheels off, and maybe JT gets traded two or three, four years, and now it's time to let AR fly. JT helps get him that to that point. That contract, that little time he spent in Indy is a massive success. And it's like they're saying, no, screw it. You want to go? Go. And then all of a sudden now it's it's the Zach Moss show, the Kenyon Drake show, the Deion Jackson show, the Evan Hull show, the Jake Funk show. George, if you're a defense coordinator, are you worried about Jake Funk ruining your day? He did score a touchdown on the <laughs> winning touchdown against the Bears, but no. That's nope. you know that's the last <laughs> I needed, George. <laughs> no, I mean I, the worst part about all that is that Ursay said, you know, in, in that post luxury motor coach press conference, oh. want him in here. We want to give him, uh, you know, have him help out Peyton the way, have him help out Anthony Richardson the way Marshall Falk helped out Peyton Manning. It was, you know, they've said it, they know it. But I, that's why I never understood their stance from the get-go because their, their sell job to, to Jonathan Taylor from day one was, we'll just come in and play as hard as you can for us. We're not going to give you any more money. We might not even do it after the season. You might get franchise tag. We'll see. We'll, we'll think about it. And no, we're not going to offer you a trade request. But just be happy with all that and come help us for nothing. That's not a very good sales job. I, I don't know a lot of people signing up for that right now. And that's why ultimately I feel like they've reached a point. I don't think a trade's going to happen. We'll see. I mean, it, if somebody meets the Colts' demands for what they want in return and Taylor's demands for the contract, then the trade will happen. And we'll see. You know, maybe the situation will get 
even worse between now and then to where the Colts will lower those demands and a trade will happen. But if it doesn't, that to me is, is the big, they, they've reached the point now where the trade not happening is the worst outcome for them. Even after everything we just said about them being one dimensional and it hurting Anthony Richardson's progression, because it's a daily story. You just said it yourself. Every day that Jonathan Taylor's on this roster from here on out, he is the entire focal point of everything that goes on with this team. And so if he does play at the beginning of the year, it's going to be, is Shane Steichen running him too much? Is he trying to get him hurt? Is he overusing him because, you know, they know this is the last year they have him? Or is he not running him enough because he's afraid of getting him hurt, causing another problem? The, everything that happens is going to be completely dissected down to, to the last decimal point. Uh, you know, did he smile on the sideline after he scored a touchdown? Which teammate high-fived him? Which one didn't? What's his body language like in the huddle? As bad as the on-field situation is for Anthony Richardson, if Taylor's not here, I almost think the circus, if he is, could be worse. I'll get into that second. I do want to attack uh, quickly what you said first. You said a trade does not uh, – you don't think it's going to happen. You think he'll be, for lack of a better term, on this team in 2023? We'll see, unless the Colts lower their demands. I mean, right now, if, if the reporting we have is true, and granted – this whole situation is so fluid. Who knows if what's true, you know, tonight on August 21st is going to be true in the afternoon on August 22nd. But in the state of play right now, as we understand it, I do not see a team giving the Colts a first round pick or the equivalent of a first round pick and signing Jonathan Taylor to a market setting deal. If one of those two changes, particularly the first down first round pick compensation, maybe a deal happens. But under the current parameters, the list of teams I would say that the fit that is zero. I'm in total agreement. I would be shocked, honestly, if there's a trade. Because it just, I don't see how, again, you want to talk about the running back being devalued. I don't see now that as being the case when we're seeing a play in front of Rise and all of a sudden a team's going to come around and give the Colts a massive, you know, trade offer in terms of draft competition and then pay Jonathan Taylor Either close Christian McCaffrey's making sixteen million dollars a year. He's the league leader when it comes to running back salaries uh, on average annual value. I don't see a team swooping in and giving Jonathan Taylor sixteen million dollars or even a little above that to surpass him and be the highest paid running back. Why I can't see a team doing doing both. Um, especially like let's get into this George really fast here. Like maybe I'm being naive. Maybe it's me. Jonathan Taylor. The reality is the the, the reality the fact is he's on pulp. Physically unable to perform with an ankle injury. They had surgery on in January. Supposed to be one month recovery. Now we're going on uh, month eight. And allegedly, according to him, his ankle is still not right. He went. He left the team right last week to go seek therapy and do some sort of rehab away from the team. Now he is back with the team. But if you're Jonathan Taylor or if you're another team, you're going to give up the equivalent of a first-round pick in some form, pay the man either – right at 60 in that $60 million range or even surpass it. So have him be a bare minimum top three paid running back in the NFL. And don't you, by the way, you're going to do this under the guise of not knowing if he's fully healthy. You're trading for a guy on pup. Like you tell me if I'm wrong here, George, but can teams actually assume like he's like, is he fake? I don't think he's faking the injury, but he's, do you think he's faking the injury? Like if he's traded tomorrow. I think it's so weird. You if know, he's he went to get, tomorrow. Is he playing like week number one for his new team? I think so. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on with the injury. I do not know. You know, he went away to get treatment. That sounds serious. Um, but at the same time, he the trade request remains active. It remains something he's pushing. And I just, uh, to me, a guy who was injured and, and still trying to, to come back from an ankle injury that happened in January would probably be more focused on that than he would on a trade right now. So, that's just me reading the tea leaves. I don't know where that situation is. And I think that would cause a general manager and an owner in another city some pause. They'd want answers to that. You know, is he hurt? If not, why isn't he out there? The last time they saw him, it wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. He missed six games last year. You know, he had a couple really unfortunate, untimely fumbles. There were a few missed assignments in pass protection. 
You know, these are things that if you're giving up a first round pick and $16 million, they're going to give you pause. I mean, they just will. That's not a knock on Taylor. I, I've said all along, I would have signed it. I would have sat down with him. I would try to work something out, but I don't know how open they were either. I say that, you know, without knowing how dug in his agent was at the beginning of the process. I don't know where that stands. So, but assuming that they were open to the idea of an extension, which we may never know because the Colts weren't, um, I would have gone in there and I would have tried to work something out, you know, whatever three-year deal, four-year deal you could have gone. Because I think this team, it's hard for me to make any kind of argument. This team is better without him than it is with him. I mean, they're just, if he's back there, it opens things up for Anthony Richardson. We've talked about it. Go look, listen to any pod throughout training camp. We've talked about it again and again, how important he is to this football team. So I would have gotten the deal done, but I can understand if you're in another city and you haven't watched them beat the Patriots single-handedly in December of 2021, and you haven't watched them, you know, go out and do some of the things that he's done on a regular basis, that there are questions that you would have that would need to be answered before you would pay him the kind of money that, that he wants, allegedly. We'll see, you know, if a deal gets done, we'll, we'll know what he was really asking for or what he was willing to take and give the Colts the compensation they want. I, there's just too much mystery in this for me. But the thing about the NFL is all it takes is one team. Ask Deshaun Watson. He wasn't getting a 200-whatever-million-dollar guaranteed deal until the Browns did it. And it sounds like there were 31 other teams that weren't going to do it. So I think for Taylor right now, he just needs that one team, whoever it is, Chicago, Philadelphia, Miami, Buffalo, whoever it is, to come in and say, you know what, we're going to do it. And that makes the deal happen. Going back to the Publis for a second, George, like, you, I guess my thing is like, I'm get I initially questioned if he's actually hurt. I thought this was again a hold in to begin with. But if you're John and Taylor and you want to trade again, part of the reason why running backs are not getting paid is because their shelf life. And so, even if you're not hurt, I don't see how being on pup and not practicing doesn't like help get you out of it. If you truly want to trade and you want to get out of Dodge, not practicing, not playing, going away from the team to rehab, that doesn't help your trade value. That doesn't help you get you out of town any faster. And you know what? Maybe, again, we saw Christian McCaffrey get traded in season, right? Christian McCaffrey in 2020 and 2021 played a combined 10 games. So teams want to see, can this guy play? I think it was six games, so week seven or whatever it was when he was traded from Carolina to San Francisco. 49ers wanted to see, is this guy healthy and playing for six games? They said, yes, okay, let's trade for him. You're Jonathan Taylor. Last time we saw you was in Minnesota in December. Again, you got surgery on your ankle. If you're another team right now looking from the outside in, you see all this, like, there are red flags there. Like it, it's not as simple as, oh, Jonathan Taylor, league-leading rusher in 2021 and league-leading, you know, touchdown score with 18. Of course they're going to trade for him. You're looking at a guy that missed six games, hasn't played since December, got surgery on his ankle in January, claims to still have complications from the surgery or something still going wrong with his ankle. Eight months later, you don't know how he looks. You don't know what kind of shape he's in because if he's truly hurt, he's not doing a lot of cardio work. So is he actually in game shape? Can you know, is, is he ready to go? If you trade for him now, is he ready to go week number one? If you're going to pay him, you know, again, all that money, give him, you know, close to a league leading salary for the position and give up legitimate draft capital. You're kind of doing it in a way, George, blind. And that's what I don't, I don't get from Taylor's perspective of if he's truly motivated to leave and get out of Dodge and get out of here. He's not doing himself any favors by not practicing and or faking an injury. Like if he's actually, let's say not hurt or, or could practice, right? Let's, I won't use the word faking injury. We won't call it his character per se, but if he truly maybe is, let's say is milking, maybe it's a better term. How, like, how is that helping? It's not helping him. It's only hurting him. And, I, and that's part of the, what I don't understand either is from his perspective. How do you think it's going to help you get a trade with all those injury questions about the position in general and now inc- injury questions about you and you're doing nothing to reassure any team outside of some lip service, I'm sure, from his agent, telling them, oh, he's fine, don't worry about it, just trust us. You can't trust him right now. That's that's what I meant when I said both sides you know, did, did this poorly. Um, because either way, I don't know Jonathan Taylor's health situation. I'm not his doctor. He was, I can, I can confirm now he was not rehabbing with me. That's not where he was. <laughs> I have no inside info on that. But either way, I don't see how it's – because if he is hurt, and he may well be, if he is hurt, then I would think 
that the focus should be on getting healthy, getting on the field as fast as you can, and that Christian McCaffrey situation that you were talking about. Get out there, have as good a six-game stretch as you can, and get as big a market as you can possibly make for yourself, and then you know make a deal happen. So if he is truthfully hurt, then I think pushing the trade talk is the wrong decision. And if he's not, or it's not as bad, he's he's hurt to some extent. He was getting treatment on something. Something's wrong, you know. But if it's not a major, major injury, then I think you're doing yourself a disservice from the trade front, like you just said. So I don't think he's handled it well in that regard, because I I do think that it's red flags for any team that's watching. I, it has to be. Um, and then obviously we we've talked again and again on how the teams mishandle this. So it's. A really ugly situation, and that's why ultimately I think the best thing here is the divorce, because it's clear that John Taylor's not happy here, and as much as he could help this team, and there's no question about that, how much he could help this team and this young quarterback, is he in a mindset to make that happen, and if he's not, maybe it's time for everybody to move on. So let me just confirm, because I think we differ here. So we're both in agreement that we don't think a trade's going to happen. In terms of right now with the asking price for the Colts, again, reportedly first-round pick, Jonathan Taylor's asking price, which is around, again, being the highest-paid running back, around $16 million. Uh, yeah, Dinah Rossini, now of The Athletic, reporting that she talked to a team source, not a Colts team source, but a different team source that's you know with a team that's interested in Jonathan Taylor. And that source said it's not the compensation, the draft compensation that's right now is going to be the biggest challenge. It's the contract. So, again, teams are looking at it as, it's going to be a challenge to trade for this guy and make him possibly the highest paid running back at his position. It's a lot to do for uh, for a position, again, that is, again, being more and more shunned by teams. So let me ask you, because so you, you said before, I just want to confirm first. You're saying right now the worst case scenario for this team for the Colts going forward in 2023 is not trading him and having him play this year? If he's unhappy. If, if, if he's, he's unhappy. as unhappy as he appears to be. If you can't fix that relationship and right now like i said at the top my occam's razor my occam's razor you know feeling here is that he's not happy uh, and that they feel like they can't fix the relationship if, if it stays that way i don't see what good you're doing you know I, I just don't see where that at some point um you're just going to make situation worth on both sides now that being said on field there's no question that they need him i mean it, this offense has got to grow. It's got to take steps forward. The quarterback has to grow within it. It can happen without Jonathan Taylor, but it is probably 200% more difficult than it is with him. I mean, it, it, it becomes such a less likely outcome uh, and, and the burden that's put on Anthony Richardson's shoulders is so much greater without it. But at the same time, I think if you've got an unhappy Jonathan Taylor, you might be in the same situation anyway. This is why I think the running back position actually helps the Colts out in this situation if a trade does not come to fruition and they are, are staunch in their belief of, hey, we're not trading you unless we get a first-round pickback. And they stay to that, you know, that bar that they set and they say, and John Taylor has no other option because he's not going to hold out because, again, I don't see it holding out, benefiting him, um, losing game checks. The Colts, I think, can absolutely weather the storm of him being upset but on the field because at the end of the day, again, anything that Jonathan Taylor does to sit out and miss games is going to be held against him when he goes at next year. to Whenever he hits the trade table, either the trade market or the free agent market and is able to negotiate a new contract with teams, any like it's going to be held against him. So if you, you know, you're talking about before, is Shane Sykin running him into the ground or is Shane Sykin not running him enough or Jonathan Taylor, if he's disgruntled, how's that going to play in the locker room with the team? I think the Colts can absolutely live with the disgruntled Jonathan Taylor for 2023 because even though he doesn't want to be here, even though he'd be upset that he was not traded and or get a new deal, the reality is the best thing for Jonathan Taylor to get the highest amount of money he can either next offseason or two offseasons from now is to play at a high level. It's to show, hey, 2021 was not a fluke or it was not like a flash in the pan. I still got it. And if anything, 2022 was the anomaly, not the rule. And I'm back and look at me, look how great I am. Him playing well is either going to possibly, again, have him traded in season, which again, I think is very unlikely, but still like Christian McCaffrey could maybe get a team and say, you know what? Okay, we're sold. We're going to now go over the top and 
trade for you, pay you, and we're, and we're all in on getting you and make that decision. But if it doesn't happen and Jonathan Taylor is a Colt in 2023, again, him having a 2,000-yard season, George, is the best case for him to get a big payday. You know, him missing six games, being disgruntled, half-assing it, looking disgusted, looking like he doesn't want to be there, and running for 700 yards and two touchdowns is only going to tank his own value, and he's not going to get the contract he wants. Teams are not going to feel sympathy for him. Teams are not going to say, oh, you know, we know you're disgruntled, and we know you don't want to be there. It's okay. Like, we're just going to pretend 2023 didn't exist, and we're going to overlook 2022, and we're just going to live in the glory days of 2021 where you were you were great, Jonathan, and we're going to pay you like you're 2021 now, even though by the time if that happens uh, this upcoming offseason, 2024, it's three years ago, George. That's an eternity in the NFL, especially a running back position. Yeah. So it's that's why like, the average yeah. career. So that's why I think like they like they could absolutely survive and I'll say thrive, even if JT is pissed because his at the end of the day, his best case scenario, the best thing for him is also the best thing for the Colts. He may be pissed, but he has no other choice. That's the logic here, but again, I just I don't think a logic applies in Indianapolis. I've just I've been on that now for two years. I, I just throw logic out out the window. I, I just need to know where his mindset is. You know that that's the thing for me. The thing that keeps coming back to me, and right or wrong, um, is the Earl Thomas situation a few years ago in, in Seattle. You know where huh. he was very upset, and you know they didn't pay him, and he ends up getting hurt, and you get him carted off the field, and he's giving the finger to everybody on the way out of there. I just feel like that's where this is headed. And I could be wrong. I've been wrong plenty. I mean, go go check my predictions. You know, maybe me saying that will, will help it all work out in a much better fashion. But that's what keeps playing through my mind. And, and you know, before he got hurt, that situation was terrible with Earl Thomas on the field and him being angry and being upset. And then we did get hurt. It just made an even bigger black eye. And everybody's like, look, that's why he wanted to get paid. He just showed you Seattle why he was trying to get this deal done. And the next year he's with the Ravens, and it's, you know, it's just a a mess all the way around. That's all that goes through my head right now. I could be wrong. I usually am, so that's the good news. But that's where that's where my mind is right now, as clouded as it is with mucus and all my sinus issues going on. And hopefully, unlike Earl Thomas, Jonathan Taylor is not punching out his teammate cheap shot and basically ending his career. And I don't think JT will do that. Sleeping around you know, with his brother and having his wife pull, pull a gun on him uh, and chase around the house. So you see like clear- off the field will happen. <laughs> That's true. But yeah, I mean, I hate to say that would be a fitting end for this entire saga is JT playing this year, getting hurt and then giving the entire cult sideline, the bird as he's getting carted off a la it's, Earl Thomas. It, to me, that's, that's, that's the risk here. Cause I think you're right. But I, I think the Colts have been banking all along on the idea that he doesn't have a lot of leverage and the best thing for him is to come out here and do what we want him to do, which is tear up the league and, and go. And I don't know. You know, I'm not sure that JT's of that mindset because if you're in that situation and you realize you're in that situation, you might not be as worried about your best, your own best interests anymore. You might be worried just about, you know, getting some measure of, of revenge. I don't know that that's where he's at, but it's not a good spot wherever he is right now. And this trade request, George, like I said, is made more with revenge and vengeance in mind and, and in a way made it personal versus just business. Again, the people to blame are Jim Mercer and the Colts. They, again, pushed Taylor in the situation where they could have handled this professionally and cordially, where even though, like, the Colts are right in the sense that they have all the leverage. The Colts have the leverage. And they did not, and they basically let John Taylor know about it and know about it publicly numerous times. And so now, like, let me ask you this, because this is, I saw, I saw this thrown out there. I'm, I don't think it's going to happen, but again, if we're talking about the vengeance and revenge area aspect of this, do you think there's a chance, George, that John Taylor says, screw it. Teams are not going to trade for me because of my big contract. I'm not going to ask for a big contract. I'm going to play my final year on this deal. I just want to trade and get out of here. All you got to do, and we'll get into some trade teams here in a second, Buffalo, Miami, Philly, you name it, Chicago. All you got to do is trade for me. I'll play, you know, my final year on this deal and we'll figure it out at the end of the year. Is there any chance that it kind of gets that personal to that level where JT drops the contract demands and just says, just get me out of here. I'll play in my rookie year uh, deal as long as anyone for the Colts. As quickly as this has escalated, yeah. 
I think there is. Huh. I mean, when you, when you talk about it was June when JT's standing there talking to us on the field at, at the Indiana Farm Bureau Football Center and saying, I want to be here. I've done everything right in the community. You know, I want to be a part of this football team. And and it's it's in their their hands now. And that was really the first sign of this is not, you know, going smoothly. This is not great. Uh, but from there to, you know, end of August, beginning of September. So let's say month and a half, two months, somewhere in that range. Uh, you know, two and a half months, not long, maybe somewhere six to eight weeks, a period we're talking about. We've gone from, I want to finish my career in Indianapolis and, and I want to be the next great Colt to get me out of here. So could the contract demand go by the wayside and all this? Absolutely. It could, you know, the thing is, the way this whole thing's gone, who knows what the next chapter brings. And again, that is all in the Colts. If they push him to the limit where, again, he says, you know what, screw it. As long as I'm not playing in Indy, I'll be happy even if my contract's the same. Again, George, an, an embarrassment. An absolute embarrassment on the Colts' hands, and they have no one to blame but themselves. Um, so even though we both don't think a trade's going to happen, let's wrap up the pod with this thought. If a trade does happen, who is the most likely to have it uh, go down with? We've seen teams rumored. We've seen the Eagles thrown out there. We have seen the Buffalo, uh, excuse me, the um, Chicago Bears thrown out there. We've seen the Miami Dolphins thrown out there. Three early teams that, according to Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald, Miami is going to kind of kick the tires on a deal and at least snoop around, see you know if the Colts can uh, Colts can make it happen. If John Taylor is willing to take maybe less than what he wants right now. So the Dolphins, I, think, I believe right now, from what I've seen, at least on two, on Monday night, the only team that is, at least according to reports, actually going to make some sort of offer and kind of, you know, explore the situation fully. I'm going to throw a team out there, George. I'd like to hear your thoughts. If you are the Colts and you have to trade him, I think the best case scenario, the, the best team to trade him to is the Bears. The Bears for two reasons. Number one, NFC, so you don't got to worry about seeing him a ton and having him going up against in the next few years. But two, I mean, you look at what they just did at the draft, going from one to nine, two firsts, two seconds. Like, they now have two first-round picks, two second-round picks in the 2024 draft. They would be, you would presume, the team that's most willing to give up a first-round pick because they got another one, or two seconds because they have two firsts. Something they, they would be the most likely, George, to match what the Colts are asking. Is there a team right now you think would be a better case than the Bears, or is that kind of – for you know, basically a match made in heaven, in, in the sense that if a trade does go down, this is the, if you want to call it, quote unquote perfect team that could match the offer. Yeah, the two teams that come to my mind, Chicago it makes the most sense because obviously get him out of the conference, you're not going to see him, you know, maybe the rest of his career if he stays in Chicago. Uh, if you do, it's in the Super Bowl, and then everyone's happy. Um, so, I, you know, I, I don't see that as I think that's a really good destination there. More importantly, we talked about they've got a tremendous riches right now of, of draft picks. So, you know, if they want to share some of those, uh, send them Indianapolis's way, as we talked about when the bears were trading the number one overall pick, uh, the, the general manager has a very good relationship with Chris Ballard. They had a nice conversation during one of the joint practices in the end zones. They're, they're, they're tight. You know, it, it should be a pretty easy deal to do. That's the one that makes the most sense on paper. Taylor can go there and be for Justin Fields what he was supposed to be for Anthony Richardson here makes a lot of sense. In a lot of ways, just purely from an on-field standpoint, not dealing with compensation or salary cap. Cause I'm not even sure they got the room. The team that could use him the most is the bills. You put him in Buffalo and that offense gets the running game that they've been missing. And they might be the AFC favorites. Now I don't know what their appetite is for, offering enough to get him and i don't know that they've got enough salary cap space to make it happen but if we're just talking madden the bills are the place you know where i think he would fit the best he would make the biggest difference the team would make the biggest leap if you're talking about the colts getting the best return and sending him to the place they want the most i think it's chicago does it doesn't for me but for you does how good the team is matter no, I think what matters is what do they want to give you first and foremost. If Miami wants to make, you know, Tyree Kill available, then hey, do the deal. 
Don't worry about them being in conference. Don't worry about having a plan. You know what I mean? That's like to me, it, it's more about what they're going to offer. You know, if Tennessee wants to make a trade, that's just unbelievable or Jacksonville or Houston, even in the division to me, if Houston wants to give you the number one overall pick or whatever they've got their first round pick. Sure. You know, do it, get the best thing you can get. Um, I don't think it matters how good the team is. I don't think it matters where the team plays, but I think Chicago might be right now that, that perfect storm of, Oh, by the way, they're in the other conference and they have the cap space and they have the need to give their young quarterback some help and they can offer you a ton. You know, does green Bay get involved? I mean, I haven't heard their name, but they've got a young quarterback. Obviously he's got ties to the state of Wisconsin. Green Bay get involved here. Who knows? Buccaneers are a team that possibly too. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Leonard Fournette before, just go swap him out. Go play with Baker Mayfield. The guy was a chip on his shoulder. That backfield with Baker and, and JT could be interesting if JT does not get a new deal. Talk about two players with massive chips on their shoulders here in 2023. One last thing. So I lied. I do have one more thing I want to throw out there. And this is kind of like a very going far into the future look here. But this is also, I think, important. With this news now, the Colts entertaining trade offers. I think even if you are Chris Ballard, again, there's already a lot of pressure on him. But now going forward, George, it's pretty apparent. Uh, I hate to say it, but it's pretty apparent, unless a miracle happens, that John Taylor's days in India are numbered. You've made it clear. you set the line in the sand of we are not paying you. Maybe they want to reevaluate after 2023. And each day that passes right now, it's seeming that's getting less, less, uh, less and less likely that after the season, a contract extension will be uh, awarded to Jonathan Taylor. Or he'd accept it. Because either way, too, he has to accept it. And who knows? Maybe he's just ready to get a dodge and say, screw it. I'm out of here. Either way, George, you have made a commitment to not pay the running back position. You also have no one right now on offense that you feel good about that is a truly established, game-breaking, game-changing sort of player. Michael Pittman Jr. is the closest to it. And again, he's not shown you that ability to be a true number one receiver. If you're Chris Ballard, whether it's, again, in for agency, whether it's making a trade, or being aggressive in the draft and using this draft capital, if you do trade Jonathan Taylor to go get Marvin Harrison Jr., if you're not in the range to go get him, you have to now go all in on the receiver group, George. Like, you have to go all in and say, okay, if we're not going to get Anthony Richardson running back, so we're going to go running back by committee going forward here, then you have to make sure we have to be aggressive and get receivers, multiple receivers. Alec Pierce has built a nice connection so far. We see that transpires, but again, him in the same thing. He has to prove it. And maybe who knows, even if he plays well, he could be outpriced and, you know, over the Colts budget, but they have a lot of money to spend. You cannot now not pay Jonathan Taylor, allow a great offensive player to leave your team and not build. So another position on your offense and, and go all in and trying to get some sort of great player. You got to now make use of the cap space and the resources you have to go get Richardson again, if it's like to be running back, get him a bona fide tight end or a bona fide receiver that actually can help him develop instead of just wasting or, or throwing away a great piece and not then going to get a truly game changing player. That's not just a hope project of, Oh, it's like a fly on this guy in the fourth round, or oh, let's just pick this guy up with the scrap people. Let's hope it happens. You got to get someone established and you, or in the draft, one of those can't miss receivers and be aggressive and go get him. George, you got to make good. Either way, for Chris Ballard, it seems like whether you trade him or not, it seems like, again, JT's days are numbered. You got to make good now and be aggressive next offseason and getting true weapons around Richardson. I think that's that's true no matter what. I mean, even if Jonathan Taylor is somehow tomorrow the biggest swerve of this entire story, you know, it's all fixed and he signs a five-year extension and does a press conference on the middle of the field in Philly and talks about how he's loved the Colts organization his entire life and can't wait to – you know, win five Super Bowls with them. Even if that happens, you've got to build this. Look what Philly's done around Jalen Hurts. That's that's a blueprint. You've got to go out there and trade for an agent Brown. You know, make it happen. Add weapon after weapon. The big thing that I think that this does that we really haven't talked about, there's even more pressure on the offensive line now than there already was. When Jonathan Taylor's back there, you don't have to have as big a hole. You don't have to be as perfect with your blocks. He's going to make things happen. Now, not only do you have to make sure that you've got this rookie quarterback clean and healthy and upright, which is also tougher without Anthony, without Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, you've got to make sure that you've got every run play blocked 
to perfection so that the running backs can get the most that they can get out of it. That's what I saw in Buffalo. It wasn't Deion Jackson having an amazing day. It was him getting the yards that were blocked for him. And I think that's a lot to put on an offensive line that is also trying to bounce back from a down year. So I think, yeah, you've got to go out and you've got to fix these offensive skill position players and you've got to add to that in any way you can, whether it's a tight end, whether it's another receiver, you've got to give him every weapon you can possibly have, whether it's using a second round pick again on a running back, like you did with Jonathan Taylor to make sure you get the right guy. Um, it's, it's got it. No stone can be left unturned, but also I think you're putting even more stress on an offensive line that I do think is taking steps forward when they've been healthy. Uh, but here, you know, Hey guys, while you're trying to come back from a down year, while you're trying to protect a rookie quarterback, can you carry the run game too? Great point. You're a hundred percent right, George. And that's definitely a position and a group that's overlooked in all this. And you're a million percent, right. They're doubling down on the offensive line to basically say, doesn't matter who our running back is, we're going to have a good run game because it's not the running back. That's the catalyst for this rushing attack. It's the five guys blocking. And again, after coming off of 2022, not the best gamble, George. Now, they could be like that. They could, they could again, get back to the 2021 level and be one of the better offense lines in the NFL. But it's not exactly a wise gamble right now coming off of what you saw last year and saying, oh, yeah, they'll be, they'll be better. No doubt about it, especially with the rookie quarterback under center. It's a lot of pressure on Richardson, a lot of pressure on those five guys as well, and a lot of pressure, George, on the depth, which is basically zero. The depth is crap. The camera. That's and the depth. So, One guy. It's not only pressure on performance, it's also pressure on health and say, hey, can we get through 17 games with, for the most part, five guys starting? It happened a few years ago. It's not happened since. We know injuries are always happening every single year. We're already seeing it right now with Braden Smith missing time, Ryan Kelly missing time, Will Fry is missing time. So you got a little depth behind them. You need a big bounce back here from them. You got to help them, you know, hope that they carry the run game and also protect Anthony Richardson. Now you're putting more on Anthony Richardson's plate to make plays and carry the run game as well. Without a big time threat back there and making the defense, uh, making their jobs easier. Because like you mentioned before in the pod, you're right. And now it's a one-dimensional offense where it's Richardson's run game and just the passing. That's it. No one else in the rushing game is going to scare you whatsoever. So now you're making Richardson's development harder because now there's less weapons for the defense to worry about, which means they're keen on him more, which means now he's got to be a hero more than he has to, when the, is to be a hero more than you want him to be in his rookie year. This is a total disaster. Final question. Week one, official George Bremer prediction. Is Jonathan Taylor, forget about a Colt tonight, is he on the field week one for the Colts, yes or no? I don't think so. I think I said that earlier in training camp. Um, and now I'm even more. I started to waver on that a little bit, especially Saturday, but I don't think so. I think he's either traded or he's maybe still on pub. I may be an idiot, George. I'm I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes because I don't think he's getting traded. And at this point, if he wants to be traded, and I, at this point, I mean, I feel the Colts, I guess the best thing you can say is, hey, be Christian McCaffrey, play six games and we'll reevaluate. Either way, the best case, like the, the way that Jonathan Taylor gets his way with a new contract, either here in Indy, unlikely at this point, but here in Indy or elsewhere, is by playing, is by returning to his 2021 form and by showing everyone he still got it. So yep. if we want to talk about, you know, if is how legit is his injury, I think the closer we get to, I think the the less chance he's going to have, uh, or the less it makes sense, I should say, for him to sit out, miss games, and I think only hurt his value. Going forward, if you're start the season on pup, miss the first was I think max now it's three games or minimum I should say is three games. I think they knocked it down right or four. They knocked it down, whatever it is. Basically, the first month of the season, let's just say give or take. If you start the year on pup, um, and if not, again, it just only makes sense for him. Only makes sense for this team. He's on the field, so there's maybe there's there's one school thought. I think he has to play eight games for the season to count. So there's one school of thought out there. If you wait till that that moment and you play the last eight games, and then if everything picks up and you know they they just skyrocket in the last two months, it's it's your best revenge. I don't know. I just want to throw that out there. It's one school of thought that, that that's been thrown around a little bit. Dangerous one. And again, this could get a whole lot uglier, George, before it, it gets any better. So I think that's a, a good time to stop the pod. 
This is just so ridiculous. This is just so ridiculous. Here we are again, George. I, I honestly, the, the more I think about it, the more I think about our pre-training camp pod, when <laughs> your biggest goal was just not have a circus, have this be a calm, frankly, boring training camp. Mm-hmm. And the more every day that goes on and the further we get from that podcast date wise, the more it's just so comical to look back and say, man, we are so naive and so hopeful uh, basically a month ago. And now here we are at midnight on Tuesday before the last joint practice of training camp talking about just the situation that has just devolved into what has been an ugly mess and, and truly just like hysterical. Like it's either laugh or cry. I'm going to try to laugh as much as I can just at this entire situation and how stupid it is and how the Colts have embarrassed themselves again, but they have not, they've done everything the opposite of what we wanted at this point. Or just because, just because I'm an eternal ray of sunshine. And I'm always trying to to bring positivity to the pot. I will point out that last year we had a quiet, easy training camp, boring, nothing happened. And then the year was chaotic and circus-like. So maybe, maybe we just flip that on its head. Absolute chaos throughout training camp, then a quiet, easy season. In 2021, it was chaotic training camp. Chaotic start. Middle of the year was okay. Some optimism kind of got normal. And then the end. Not so great. Not so great. Um, you're right. Not so. This has been, it's been tough, George. This has been tough. It all out. started in Jacksonville at the end of 2021. You can, that was the Hiroshima for this franchise. That's where it all, you can always point back to that date. So they lost that game to Jacksonville 2021. Nothing's been the same since. If anything, we could blame Trent Baalke. Because remember, the Jaguars fans that game dressed up as clowns to protest Trent Baalke still being the GM of the team. The only clowns that in that day uh, in that stadium were the Colts. And you're right. I forget the date, whatever it was. January 8th, I'm just going to throw it out there. 2021. Or I guess 2022, technically. Um, the day really that the organization turned for the worst. Became a literal clown show. Start with the clowns. Maybe, you know what, George? Hold on. I think we got a big brain burst here late at night. Should we try to organize a clown gathering week one against the Jaguars? It's a team where it first started. I know you're not in Jacksonville. They're coming to your house. Colts fans dress up as clowns to protest the front office, protest Jim Mercer protest everything they have done right now to make themselves a laughing stock the last year and a half for the most part. And maybe George, that is the reversal of luck. We need that starts now a domino of good luck for this organization. I know. Maybe, back to the clowns. Those demons. maybe, yeah, I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe I, at this point, I think you got to bring in an exorcist and have them like bless the grounds and, you know, get rid of the demons, both at Lucas oil stadium and the facility. I think that's what they need right now. Do you do you have any on speed dial? Is there anything you can just call in, spread a little holy water around, get the evil out? Kyrie Irving is sage. And he used to sage, was it, when he went back to Boston as a member of the Nets for the first time, I think he saged the court. Maybe we could bring him in and he'll sage the outside of Lucas Oil Stadium. It's it's worth a shot right now. I mean, that's true. Nothing nothing's, else right now, nothing's above the cult. Nothing else has worked. Then just, just oh go for my it. God. Maybe Blue can be an exorcist in his free time. He does everything else. Probably, sure. There's probably an online course he can take, make this happen. Probably won't be celebrating a lot of touchdowns this year. So you're right. We'll be busy. A lot of free time. Yeah. Get him in there. Let him do the exorcism. Get the evil spirits out of the stadium, out of the practice facility. You know, that that's my analysis. That. Might be the the sinus medicine speaking, but that's my analysis. I think it's a good time to to wrap up the pod with, like I said, with now we're off the deep end. It's late. You're sick. Gotta make you feel better, George. Here, appreciate you. You know, George, thank you. You you really are the MVP today. You sucked it up. You fought through the sinus infection. Here you are coming up clutch with the pod. I thank you. The audience thanks you. You, you got to show up on game day, right? That's what's all about. Unlike right now, maybe the future Jonathan Taylor, George showed up when it mattered most. All right. Um, we will be back relatively shortly here as uh, Colts 
Eagles joint practice. Oh, yeah, by the way, the last true test, if you will, against starting caliber defenses uh, for Anthony Richardson will happen on Tuesday down in Philly. We'll have your reaction to that probably Wednesday morning, uh, I believe, is, is probably going to be our goal. We'll kind of play it by either Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. The pod will be on your feed, uh, or I guess in your feed, technically. Uh, so if you haven't already subscribed to the Blue Horseshoe Pod, wherever you get your podcasts, make sure to subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Podcast YouTube page. We can see our tired and sick faces right now as we do record this uh, technically on Tuesday morning. Uh, emergency pod. So we will probably, George talk and get some sort of details on John and Taylor more. Um, I don't know about that. Maybe we'll have time to squeeze in Anthony Richardson's, you know, and the team's um, uh, stats and how they perform against the reigning NFC champs and Shane Seigen's former team. So not a lot of storylines going to joint, uh, joint practice. It's going to be a boring one anyway in Philly, nothing to talk about. So thankfully for John and Taylor and the Colts, they gave us something to talk about. Thank you. That's what we needed. We'll see. There's not a lot of media there in Philly either, so it's going to be hard to dig some stuff out of there. It, it should be fun to see how this goes. Um, obviously, the last big test for Anthony Richardson, and then uh, it does sound like starters were at least going to play on Thursday in Philly a little bit. We'll see if that gets confirmed tomorrow uh, or tonight, as, as the case may be. Yeah, now. in a few hours. We'll see if that gets confirmed or not, and, and then uh, we'll go from there. George? Feel better, buddy. I feel like I'm just going to blink and talk to you again. So I'll say we'll talk to you soon and we'll talk to you soon right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.